Hey everyone, it's Tiffany and Katie. Just a friendly reminder that we're running our summer share all summer long. To participate, get five of your friends to subscribe to the show and send us an email with their first names and we will enter you into a giveaway. Giveaway for the book Midnight in the Piazza. And if you participate, you will get to hear an exclusive episode of The Bittersweet Life that no one else will get to hear, the Truth or Dare episode. So find your five friends, send us those names prior to September 1st, or you'll miss one of the funniest episodes that was perhaps ever created in the history of this show. And don't forget, when you do send the five names of your friends who have subscribed, send a truth or a dare or both, and they will be thrown into the hat of the things that we will do or and or answer for our secret episode. And by the way, we're spreading the love in this share We're not collecting names. So just send us the first five names of these friends or institutions that you recommend listening to the show. And that's good enough. We trust you. So email us at bittersweetlife at mail.com or tweet us at bittersweetpod using the hashtag thebittersweetlove. If you want to send an email to your friends to ask them to subscribe, you can find a template on the bottom of our About page or on our Facebook page. All right. Go at it, friends. You've got till September 1st. On with the show. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I'm with two great guests. The stars of episode 33, Parents, well, half of the star from 33 Parents, and 34, Venture. Why don't you tell us who you are? My name is Tony DiBella. I'm Linda Martinez. So we're in Orvieto, Italy, which we were in when we did your episodes before. Tony is a writer, having moved here in what year? 2012. From where? San Francisco, uh, which is where I'm living now. And Linda is the owner of Beehive Hostel. I first met you guys way back at those early episodes. And at the time, we were talking about how you had uh, reinvented yourself. With you, we were talking about what it was like to raise three American girls who had never been to America. But today, we all decided to go out to lunch because I'm back and we kept in touch and whatnot. We thought we'd just sort of get caught up. Orvieto... Can you explain the town? And then I have a bigger question about it for people who have never been here before. Well, it's a medieval town on a rock in the middle of Umbria. It has a very impressive cathedral. It's a small city. So it's a typically tourist city, but it also is a livable city, walkable city. How small when you think of it, how well you know everybody that you, when you walk down the street? Uh, yeah, you pretty much see everybody you know all day long. There's about 4,000 people living in the center, in the historical center. But there's 20,000-ish around the area. So yeah, you know a lot of the people. Do you have anything to add? I live half my life here, half my week, I guess, mm -hmm. here and then the rest in Rome. So I'm a bit of a hermit here in Orvieto. I'm, I'm home, doing my home stuff, working from home. Most of my life, my social life, my work life is in Rome. 
So I have a very different relationship with Orvieto than Tony does. All right, so yeah. let's talk about that. Yeah, that's an interesting, you know, we're friends and we have different perspectives on where we live. I guess one of the questions, I've always lived in larger cities and my sister is a person who's always lived in tinier places. As I get older, I find I come around to the tinier places. Like I understand the draw of nature or the draw of more manageable community. But I still feel like I, in little tiny places, that it could be this bubble where you get stuck with these same ideas or you don't have as many big new thoughts coming through. Is that unfair? No, it's not. And I think about it a lot because I've always liked big cities. This is the first small town I've ever lived in. It's nice in that there's a spontaneity about it. There's a pace that's really slow. As I'm going on in years, it sort of fits my energy level. But at the same time, I go to Rome, spend a couple days. It's very vibrant and cool and all that. But then I come back here and I'm like, I feel lucky that I can have both those experiences. How long have you been living here now? I feel in my mind, you were really new when we interviewed you before. I was new here when we first had the interview full-time, but I'd been coming since 2002, so I sort of have seen it change over the years. It's different than it used to be, and then I've changed, but I've been here full-time a little over five years. In November, it'll be six years. All right, and from your point of view, you own a business in Rome. We met your husband, Steve, back in episode 33. You guys actually have to split your time of how much you actually get to hang out together because of the business being far away. So what is that like? Well, it sucks, actually, because we started our business with the intention that we would be working together and being together all the time. That's the way it was for a long time. And then I started having children, and that changed the work dynamic. I've just recently started going back to work. I, for a variety of reasons, I hadn't worked at the front desk for years. And I love it because I actually get to now finally meet a lot of the guests that I only have had an email relationship with. But that said, because of the life we lead, where we live in Orvieto, our children are here, and our business is in Rome, one of us has to be at home. So we can't be working together. It's very rare now that we're able to be together which was the whole point to begin with of why we started doing what we did. And does it make you reevaluate what it is that you're doing? Oh, no, 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 not that. But hopefully at some point we'll be able to be working together again, together physically. We're partners in a business, so obviously we consult with each other about pretty much everything. But physically together working, we haven't done in a long time. Which some people would say is a good thing. No, not for us. <laughs> we <laughs> actually, <laughs> no, we really love being together all the time. I'm not going to rehash the stuff that we talked about in our earlier episodes. So if you really want to know the great story about how the beehive came to be, then you have to go back and listen to episode 33. And that's all about how uh, two scrappy young people start a business <laughs> while they're not legally in the country, I believe, right? legally in the country you were? okay uh, all right the business wasn't legal right. <laughs> uh, I knew something was illegal and then uh, Tony's story about reinventing yourself after raising a child on your own and and having a job and growing up and then deciding as you retired I guess sort of retired not really retired well, I didn't grow up I never really <laughs> didn't grow up didn't really retire but did decide no. after the kid was gone to uh, move to a foreign country so yeah. and you were saying over lunch too that you actually uh, didn't even travel to Europe until your 40s yeah yeah. For one reason or another, I was working full time when I was in college. So I didn't really get to do a lot of traveling then. And then I got married. And then I was a single mom for a long time. So European vacations were not in the budget. 
Yeah, so the first time was when I was, I think I was 44. So I'm a late bloomer. So this town, Orvieto, for people who haven't been here, has that sort of patina on it where you feel like when you first got here, you'd think, what an amazing, cute, medieval, old, historic town. But these things that are shiny and new just can't last. Tell me, how has it changed? Like, what is the Orvieto of your imagination when you came here back in 2002 versus the reality of it? Well, the honeymoon can't last forever. But I I don't think the bloom is completely off the rose. (laughs) I still really like this town. But, you know, the reality is that there are things that don't work and that are sort of annoying. Like what? Give me some examples. Well, I was talking to a friend today, actually, about this one thing. And... It's the chatter. It's the rumors. You hear the craziest stuff that people have made up. So-and-so is doing so-and-so. I'm like, no, that's not true. You can't believe the rumors I found out around town. You have to go to the source, the horse's mouth, because most of it is just chatter. It's like that game of telephone that you used to play when you were a kid. It goes like wildfire around this town. Why do you think it does? Because it's a small town, there's nothing to do. And so people, they want to make something interesting up. And so I think that's normal in a small town. I think people like to talk. You know, they're sitting around in a bar, and what do we talk about? Let's talk about that person, and then I heard this, and oh, I heard that, and you know. And then it gets elaborated on, and it gets changed as it moves around, and it comes back to you, and you're like, wow, that's interesting. I didn't know I had that interesting a life. So So you think that they are talking about you? Oh, they're talking about everybody. (laughs) What rumors have you heard about yourself? Well, way back in the day when I was a little bit younger, I was this rich divorcee after people's husbands. Yeah, I like that one. I told them to keep (laughs) passing that along. And were you? (laughs) No. Rich or after their husbands, (laughs) neither of those were true. But it was kind of flattering that people would think that. What rumors have you heard about Linda? None. Linda, Linda stays put. Linda stays out of the fray. Linda's smart. <laughs> no, I like I said before. I'm very much lead hermit existence when I'm here in my house. My kids are the ones who are out on the street. <laughs> they get they get all the gossip and everything, and they bring it home, and we talk about things. But I kind of live vicariously through them, the town life, and through Tony. Otherwise, my life is mostly in, in Rome. And I just come here to sleep and recuperate a little bit and, and be with my family, obviously. We talked about it a little bit in the past about why would you not be living right next to your businesses? You want to stay here till your kids go to college, but couldn't they just as easily be in Rome? Well, no, because we've tried to talk to them about moving back to Rome. I mean, besides the fact that moving is expensive, they were all born there, but they would much rather move somewhere completely different, completely foreign different language, different part of the world, then move to another Italian city. For them, it's a total linear move and makes no sense to them why they would want to do something like that, even if it's back to Rome. The whole school system, teachers, friends, all this stuff, they just don't want to do it again in Italian. But now we really could benefit from being back in Rome for business reasons primarily, because now that my husband and I both are really working a lot more, it would be better for us to be there. Well, and couldn't you just say, hey, Sorry, kids, we're moving. Yeah, I guess we could. But, you know, right now it's not it's not that much of a, I mean, it's a bit of a hassle sometimes, but 
we're kind of living the best of both worlds in a way. We have this beautiful small town that we live in. It's chill. I can get more than one thing done a day. I mean, <laughs> you know, in Rome, exactly. The and the post yeah. office. <laughs> Yesterday, in fact, I had half an hour before everything closed for lunch. And I think I got five things done. Impossible to do that in Rome. I'm certainly not suffering here, you know. <laughs> and then in Rome, you know, I've got everything else. I've, we've got our business. We've got our friends. We've got social life there. We have best of both worlds, I feel. It's just a logistical hassle. It's an hour and a half away. It's a bit of a haul. So. Yeah, yeah. We were talking a little bit about politics over lunch, and I don't want to get into politics too much, but you are both Americans in background, and you live in small-town Italy. Are you similar to Tiffany, where Tiffany is so obsessed with American politics that she can barely even follow Italian politics, let alone small-town politics? Well, uh, small-town politics, I follow it a little bit, but of course it's in a different language, so it's harder for me to get the real story. And Italians, the way that they write in articles is very descriptive. It doesn't get to the point. So sometimes I'm not really sure what's going on, but I try to follow the scandals and things that go on here. But yeah, I'm a bit obsessed about American politics. I'm trying to rein it in a little bit, but I'm not insulated at all. People say, oh, you're so lucky you don't have to deal with this whole political climate in the U.S., but that's not really true. Today, with all the internet, everything's real time. Everything you get, I get. And I get it maybe at a different time zone, but we're all getting the same information. And because I'm an American and my son lives there and my mom lives there and my friends, it hurts to see what's happening. So I don't think it's easier living in another country to, to watch what's going on. I'm the complete opposite from Tony in that respect. I don't really follow American politics. I don't really follow Italian politics either. I'm just not a political person that way as far as governments and things. I care more about people. And I know that it could be said that it's all tied together, but I'm more interested in different things that are taking place in regards to social justice and environmentalism, those kinds of issues, education, I'm not so much interested in presidents or prime ministers or senators or bills that are passed or laws that are made or any of those things. I'm just uninterested in that. I'm not that in touch with what's going on. And so what's going on in the United States, I, I only see bits and pieces and and that's fine for my sanity right now. Adopted more of her Do you think if the internet did not exist, that you could live in Orvieto. Let's say that all the information that we have right now is frozen in, you know, like a guy on a horse would need to oh. <laughs> come up the hill somehow <laughs> and give it to you. I probably could. I mean, people did live abroad before there was the internet. But, I mean, in such a tiny place. In such a tiny place? Hmm, maybe not. Like I said, I, I'm not a small town girl. I could never live in the countryside. No, I already know that. This is big city for me. This is as small as I could get. I need things happening. I need people to network with. I need stimulation. So I know I wouldn't live out in the middle of the country and have a garden. No, that's not, <laughs> that's not me. How about you? Whether I could live in Orvieto if there wasn't the internet? No, I couldn't. I'd be in Rome. Recently, I talked to a hotel owner in Positano. And I was asking him about the 
common mistakes that tourists make. What would you say as a person who also runs a hostel where you see people from all over the world all the time? Well, I mean, there's lots of things. There's a bucket list culture now of people, Instagrammable places, and they want to take nice pictures. This whole 40 places before I'm 40 or 50 places before I'm 50 or whatever the hell, you know, people. (laughs) Or Vieto on that list? (laughs) I don't know. It should be for a lot of people because it's a beautiful town. It's, It's a beautiful small town, a livable town that a lot of small towns in Italy aren't really like that anymore. I definitely think people should visit it. You were saying, though, I derailed you because, you know, with people wanting to go Instagram everything. Yeah, I mean, you get that phenomena, you know, and I'm I'm guilty as charged as well. You know, I have an Instagram account and I, I love posting on it. But I also like learning about the places that I go to and the things that I'm taking photographs of. Uh, whether it's a statue or it's a building or it's a person or it's a view, I want to know more about it. Whereas a lot of people don't really think of it that way. They just want to take a nice shot and that's it. When people think of hostels, they think of it as being young people. That's a way to travel when you're really young. Is it young travelers that are coming through? No, no, because I mean, hostels, they have a different reputation wherever you go. Europe has a different reputation because hostels here have been around a very, very long time and they've evolved over the years. You know, hostels used to be an exchange. People used to go and they would do chores for their stay. They would sweep, they would clean, they would help with dinners or lunches and help around the hostel. That doesn't really exist anymore. But hostels have really evolved over the years. And now there's a whole movement of what's called luxury hostels and hostels that are very, very nice, that are not just dorm rooms, that also have private rooms. And so with that comes people of all ages. It's a really cool place. I love hostels. Well, when you get to uh, the idea of a designer hostel, then what does the word mean? Why would it be called a hostel rather than a hotel? With hostels, the main difference between a hostel and, say, a hotel is the social aspect of it. There's a community behind hostels, and it's about integrating people into the experience. So it's not just a place to sleep. It's about activities that take place. It's about connecting with the people that work there even. There's a whole social fabric to hostels that hotels absolutely do not have. How about you, Tony? You were on House Hunter International, and of course, I wanted to ask, did that stick for you? Stick for me? What do you like, mean? Where are you from? We all watched you on television. Oh. oh. <laughs> you know, the best thing about that, there are two things that were really great about it. One was my son was on it with me. So when I die, he'll always have that video <laughs> of us together. And the second thing that has been really a blessing is that it's brought a lot of attention toward Vieto, which is kind of my thing. I'm... I really try to promote this town. I have a blog, Orvietor Bust. I've for years been trying to forward the idea of people coming here. And we were ta- you were talking about the way people changed, the way they've, they've been traveling. One of the changes that I've seen that I'm really, I've been trying to make this message very clear. Orvieto isn't a place to come for two hours, like get off a bus, come up, walk around, take a bunch of pictures on Instagram, and go. It's the kind of place where people should come for two or three days. They should stay in the hotel. They should walk around. They should drink wine. They should experience the slow travel. It's not a day trip 
from Rome. It can be a three or four day experience and it should be. And that's really an important thing. And so people seeing that show, they've contacted me and said, oh, we're going to come to Orvieto. We didn't even know about it. And that really makes me happy. You don't have to just do the big three. You can actually go off the beat and track a little bit and get an experience of Italian life. Why is that important to you? It supports my town and it supports the people who own businesses here. When people just come for two hours, they don't have time to go out to dinner. They don't have time to shop. They just zip in and zip out. And I think it hurts Orvieto and it hurts them in the long run. They don't really get an experience. They just get two hour sh- 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 Well, you see that a lot with group travel anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Big groups Individual that just go travels. in and out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guilty, by the way, I'm also going. <laughs> but I've been here three times. So maybe just to end, you made an interesting transition there. When does it become your town? It is my home. It is my home. So you would say San Francisco is no longer your home? Um, yeah, I would say that's true. It's where I'm from, but it, yeah, it's not home. And what about you? Being Working in one place, living in another place, do you feel like you're caught in between? Or do both feel like home? Is it sort of, we talk about this notion of home all the time, and I'm in a particularly stateless period right now, but... <laughs> But what do you, how does it feel for you? Well, for me, I live in Orvieto, but my home is Rome. Rome, to me, is where I feel emotionally invested. Our children were born there. Our business was born there and is still there. You do a ton of fun live events there. Yes. <laughs> and we do a lot of things there. Rome is home. It's my town. I call it my town. And I love it. Well, is it weird then to be... Would, your kids would probably say that Orvieto is home. You're a split, you're a stateless family. You're... I know, but it also depends which child you talk to because for the youngest one who spent the most amount of time here, Orvieto is home for her, and she absolutely does not want to leave. The other two have a more transitory, transitory, transient view. They just feel kind of like me in a way, that we live here. It's fine for now, but we don't hate it, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, uh, it's not for us in the long run. And if, if we're able to make our wish come true, our next dream come true, we'll have a beehive in Florence. That's what we're working on right now. Really? So I have to quickly ask you about that before we end. <laughs> Wouldn't that hinder your ability to work together even more? Yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> we haven't really thought it out as far as the logistics. But, you know, I don't have any uh, doubt that we'll be able to make it work. Well, I hope to stay there uh, because I need to spend more time in Florence. Uh, But until next time, we'll leave it there. Uh, This is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Thank you both for doing this. Thank you very much. Thanks, Katie. Great to see you. Our Summer share is on. We need you to spread the word about the show to other people who might be interested. So make a social media post or do what I'm doing. I'm sending you a voice memo right now. Send a voice memo to some of your friends telling them about this new show. People are always looking for podcasts to listen to. Don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Ask them to subscribe. And then send us their names. This is as easy as making a post on social media and having your friends say, I'm in, or I subscribed. Thanks for your help.